0: Facebook famously determined that if a new member invited 10 friends within 14 days, they were hooked for life. So they focused religiously on driving the user experience to this key metric. If you apply this product-based approach to B2B sales, then you can identify those users that are ready to talk. And this method is known as the Product Qualified Lead, or PQL. So if you sell in a freemium, open source, or trial model then the PQL method is critical to give your sales team visibility into who is ready to talk. So talk to your data team, or better yet, partner with Whaler's team of data scientists to develop a PQL model tailored specifically for your business. You'll be empowered by knowing exactly when a user is ready to convert. To see specific examples, go to getwhaler.com forward slash Andy. That's G-E-T-W-H-A-L-R dot com forward slash Andy. And as a bonus, if you sign up to learn more about Whaler and PQLs, then Whaler will send you their optimized two-page master services contract that you can leverage for your own business free of charge. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favor to ask of you. We'd really appreciate it. If you took the time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, What can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to Accelerate.fm forward slash Frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month, and the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So, remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Frontline Fridays, part of the Accelerate podcast with my very special guest, Bridget Gleason. And we actually have another special guest with us today.
1: Special, special, or just Special.
0: Well, first time visitor, so I don't think he gets two specials. But uh, we can certainly All right. we can certainly give him a special. But maybe before we bring him on, let's let's just you know the obligatory question: How are you doing?
1: You know the answer. Fantastic, wonderful. I just got back from a great reunion with my family, so feeling very recharged and just great to see uh, family and spend time with people I really care about. So. So, Feeling great. So,
0: so, does that mean that Thanksgiving dinner? Thanks, care, Thanksgiving out dinners out are I don't always care about. <laughs> Thanksgiving dinners are always uplifting because you know you'd go against uh, many decades of tradition. <laughs> family reunions are supposed to like, bring you down.
1: I know, I know, and you know what? They don't, and and maybe it's because so we get together. Um, it's actually, it sounds sad, but it's it's the anniversary of my father's death. And he died uh, 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we've got together every year since then. And it's just become this great time for all of us to be together, not pressure around who's cooking what and what does it need to look like. And we always go to a different place. And I think it's just a time for all of us. We feel a lot of gratitude. That we had this great dad, this great role model in our lives, and we're super close. So we definitely have our issues. Let me <laughs> let me be clear. I mean, the family <laughs> reunions, there's always a bit of drama, but I think generally speaking, um, it's just been a really great time for all of us. So that
0: yeah, sort of and- carries
1: over into the the uh, into the week. Yeah,
0: and your dad is probably wherever he is thinking <laughs> they waited till I died to start these parties.
1: <laughs> uh no, if you knew my dad, you would know No, no. no He no he, no. no. he was he was he was right there in it with us. He would be really happy that right. we we're carrying on this tradition.
0: All right. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well speaking of parties of a sort, we have we've got a third party that's joining us for our broadcast today, which was something we've been doing a little more frequently, and
1: so I'm going to let you introduce him. Wonderful. Well, I am so thrilled to introduce Josh Phillips, and I have the privilege of working with Josh at Logs.io. He heads up our account management uh, team, and he's based out of Tel Aviv, and um, and just has been a really, really valuable part of the team. Certainly since I've joined, and really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So excited, Josh, to have you on the show.
2: Hi, guys! I am super excited. So uh, I'm gonna go on up already. This is the first time I've ever been on a podcast. So uh, I got a big grin on my face right now.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. We're we're glad that we're able to be a source of excitement for you. <laughs> um. So, well, Josh, welcome. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. And thank you for, gosh, staying up late. What time is it right now in, in Tel Aviv?
2: Oh, it's uh, 8.20. Okay, that's well, not, not, not so too bad.
0: Not too bad. Okay. Oh, All right. Well, good. Well, we're going to... So, Josh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do, and then we'll, we'll talk about the Great. topics we're going to yeah. get in.
2: Um, so, uh, I, I, work for, for Logs.io. Um, and uh, as Bridget said, I, I head up the account management. That means for our customers, uh, I'm in the front line. Um, I'm there for them, whether they need something technical, whether they have something, uh, regards to training on the product or whether there's just normal business interactions where our company needs a face, uh, for our customers. I'm that guy.
0: Okay. And so is this the... First job you did with LogsIO, or were you doing other jobs beforehand?
2: Um, uh, you know, funnily enough, uh, this is actually the second job uh, I've had here. Um, when I first came here, I uh, worked with the sales development team, so uh, it's really interesting flip between starting at the company and speaking to customers who have never heard of us, and we're a pretty young company, mm-hmm. so. Log- it can even just be how to pronounce the name of the company, and then flipping over in the middle and going to speak to people who have been using the product and loving it and getting into it, you get to hear some very different stories on both sides, and occasionally you get to speak to the same people uh, on either side of their journey uh, to becoming really happy customers.
0: Good, yeah, to expect if you'd worked as a sales development role that, that, uh, yeah, hopefully you would be dealing with some of your customers. So, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about, and this has been a topic that Bridget and I have explored on the show is is, yeah, you know, the, the young sort of new generation of people coming into sales, um, I guess, and sort of how they're different perhaps than than preceding generations. And I guess one of the the questions I had is is, you know why why are young people choosing to go into sales these days?
2: It's an interesting question. Uh, There's a really uh, cool book out there called Everyone Can Sell by Daniel Pink. Mm -hmm. He writes some really good guidebooks and and he talks about how nearly everyone's in sales now. I think um, it's something that draws people because it allows you to focus in an industry that you're interested in, but there's a lot of people skills that go into sales. Um, and I, I think my generation is very much used to being set short-term targets and goals. Sales really speaks to that. Um, uh, You know, I I took so many exams growing up. Uh, I was so used to these sprints, these moments where you have to get there and go for it. I I think sales reproduces a lot of that experience. Where'd you grow up? Uh, So you might have noticed even though I'm in our Tel Aviv office, uh, I don't have the strongest Middle Eastern accent. I'm actually from uh, Manchester in the UK.
0: So, Red Devil fan or
2: Blues fan? I'm a big Manchester United fan, and, and thank you for calling the, the Red Devils. That.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would come up. I knew this would come up. Awesome! So now you, I'm happy.
0: You must be excited about the whole Lukaku, trans, Lukaku transfer.
2: I'm thrilled. Uh, I'm really happy. We needed a, a big, strong target man, and I, I think you know we Zlatan's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we brought with a proven scoring record. I think it's like 20 plus goals 3 seasons straight. Yep, yep. That's what you it's like it's, you know being a a striker in football is just like being a sales guy. You're the, you're the pointy end of the stick and nothing is better than consistency.
0: Wow. That's uh, Bridget. We've talked soccer a little bit, but that's sort of the first time we've we've drawn an analogy to sales. Do you know why? Because you don't care.
1: And I'm going to play soccer. Right. So, of course, I have no analogies to draw. I have nothing to add. And so, you know what I do? I end the conversation. We we digress. That's why. That's huh. why. Huh. Okay. I know. It's strange. It's strange. I only want to talk about what I want to talk about. Okay. Okay. I have a question for sure. you, Josh, Andy.
0: Oh, for, for, okay, so for me or for Josh?
1: Uh, I'm going to talk to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to direct it at Josh and you can also offer your opinion, Andy, after. Okay, okay. thank you. As you can see, Josh, Josh is not um, a surprise. I can be bossy periodically. <laughs> um, Andy laughs because he knows that too. So there are these stereotypes of millennials and there's all all kinds of them. And I'd love to get your perspective Number one, you are a millennial. Mm. You've managed millennials, and mm-hmm. you, I mean, these are your people. So, yeah. one of them is the sense of entitlement and kind of a sense of entitlement and also um, feeling like they deserve a trophy just for doing their job. How would you respond to that? Do you think that's true? Do you think that's accurate? Um, I would just love to get your reaction to that.
2: I actually do think it's true, but I, I don't think it's for the reasons people think. And I think it speaks to the changes in our educational cultures. Uh, you know, I said a few minutes ago, in my experience growing up, we would have not just like pop quizzes, but tests that, and exams that you would have to work for that would go towards final grades. And you get used to this process of constantly being given uh, incremental targets and you have to hit them and you have to hit them. And so you, you get used to this. This is kind of like a Pavlovian response, you know, action, reward, action, reward. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think it's a very different working culture to people from previous generations. like The baby boob generation I don't think it was brought up with quite that um, give and take back and forth. And so you end up with a breakdown where people have different ways of working. You don't always understand why they're working in different ways. Does that make
1: sense? No. <laughs> <laughs> so let me like, no, I, no, no, no. could could you, could you be more that, clear about that, Bridget?: No, no, I, I know. I don't know how that relates to this entire like I don't know how the short sprints relates to a stereotype of being entitled, or,, ah, well, getting a trophy just for showing up, like well, getting it.:
0: a- So the question I have, Bridget, do you think they're true? The stereotypes?
1: Uh, no, I don't. I haven't. That hasn't been my experience. That hasn't been my experience. But I don't know if it's it's because it's a a selective pool that I'm hiring because I I hear this a lot.
0: But you know, Josh wanted to give us a want us to give him a trophy for coming on the show.
1: I know exactly. Well, unfortunately, he's not going to get one. But um, no, and I I guess I would say also just Josh being an, an as an example. God, I mean, one of the things I love about working with Josh is here's a guy that actually, i never feel like he, I I don't ever get the sense of entitlement from him ever. Like Josh does. If, if he, if somebody, if I needed somebody to clean a window and that would help, I am very confident that if it was going to help the customer, Josh would be the first one out there with a Windex and a paper towel. Cleaning it, so I don't I don't sense that. But I guess so. I I, I'm curious about these these stereotypes because you read about them all the time, and Whoa. I guess my the reason I said no, um, Josh White didn't make sense is you feel like yeah that seems true, and you're tying it back to maybe entitlements not the right word, but they're they're used to. Uh, these sprints where there's some sort of recognition or feedback given frequently?
2: Very much so. I, I think it's a misunderstood thing. I think it's true that uh, like baby boomer generations see these behavior patterns and they say to themselves, if I saw these behavior patterns in somebody who's my contemporary that would clearly be a case of this pe- this person displaying, uh, you know, a sense of overentitlement. But I think the same behaviour patterns mean something different from a millennial. When when I was uh, must have been about seven years ago now, when I was finishing up my my master's program, I saw this article. I actually got it on my screen now because it had these five tips for people going into the workplace, and they really hit home. There was um. If you only do what you're told, you'll excel. These are like lessons that you're taught going through the modern education system where this is even true in in, in university education and even in advanced degrees. You get taught that if you do what you're told, you'll you'll excel. In the workplace, that's not true. If you only do what you're told, you'll be average. You won't be anything more than that. You've You've got to do what others are willing to do and do it better. And then you've got to do what they're not willing to do. And it's a real headspace change from just thinking, you know, here's your crib sheet, learn this, do this. The professor's told you the answers and you'll get a pat on the back. Uh, a lot of people in my generation, um, you know, they, they don't understand why they're being micromanaged because they're always being congratulated on crossing the next boundary. When they hit the workplace and they start being micromanaged because they've not earned the confidence of their manager, they're really surprised well, why is this person telling me what to do all the time? It's, 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 and then the manager goes, well, this guy thinks I'm just going to let him fly free when I've not had a chance to make sure he's good for the job. Neither of them are wrong, but they're working at completely cross-purposes. There's like a whole bunch of others, but I think the, the first two are, mm, <laughs> are good illustrations.
0: Yeah, I think I think the, this whole idea of entitlement is, is sort of a misinterpretation of, sort of either by boomers or Gen Xers. Of of the millennials, because you know one of the things that that seems to be the hallmark of a millennial generation is this just this idea is well, why do things have to be this way, right? <laughs> and and you know that's interpreted as a sense of entitlement as opposed to yeah, maybe there's a better way to to get this accomplished. And you know they're not content to serve. Serve their time as we did sort of when we were when we were younger. I mean, I was fortunate enough to get promoted quickly into my first management job and get on that track. but you know a lot of companies you you were looking at you know just coming and do your time for five or six years until you know someone would think, "Hey, it's your time to so we'll promote you so yeah you know, they they believe in a meritocracy more so than than I think that you know preceding generations did. And yeah, I think that's part of what people sort of interpret as entitlement. It's it's really just impatience to some degree, but impatience and oftentimes motivated by the right the right things. I mean, I you know, I think this whole idea of the participation trophies and so on, I my kids were millennials, are millennials, and you know, the first thing they did with the participation trophies, trophies were throw them away. Because they meant <laughs> they, they meant nothing to them. Because no. Yeah, you know, they they were of the type. Maybe it's just them, but I'm sure the a lot of their friends shared the same thing. It's like, well, the parents wanted to give this, so it doesn't mean anything. You know, sort of like the games when the kids were young, playing playing soccer, and and you know, the parents all around saying we're not keeping score. And I'm saying, but the kids all know what the score is, <laughs> and even when they were <laughs> six years old, they all knew to a goal exactly what the score was, right? So, yeah, a lot of this I think is the parents, not not the kids. Hmm. I I mean. Uh... Please,
1: Bridget. Well, I was just going to say the I I hadn't heard it described that way, Andy. But I do think it makes a lot of sense. The entitlement versus the meritocracy, and God, we're dating ourselves. But sorry, Josh, Andy, and I are like I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial.
0: What are you talking about?
1: Okay, so we're early on, and (laughs) our set.
0: You may be old, but not me.
1: I know the way that it was, it was, it was more, you do your time and you Mm. do the job and promotions come, but you've got to have a certain amount of time in the seat. And that was just the expectation. That's how it worked. And I think you're right that it is, there is much more of this meritocracy. So, like I said, I don't necessarily see these characteristics as being entitled, but when you say, do they believe more, millennials believe more in a meritocracy? 100%. I see that in spades, and maybe it's it's just putting a different label or a different uh, way to look at this impatience, perhaps, that they have. That is not necessarily a bad thing. If I can do the job and I can do it faster and I can do it better, I, I want to be able to go and get that next, that raise or that position or that job.
0: Or at least be heard.
1: Or at least be heard, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's and I think that's that's the struggle I see that that so many boomers have in managing millennials is just yeah, it's like who are these people that think they should have a voice? And it's like, <laughs> why shouldn't they? Right? They've got a good idea. Who cares where it comes from?
1: Right.
2: I think I think technology increases transparency, and transparency uh, is very helpful towards people who pursue a, a meritocratic workplace. Meaning, if you have people like myself where in my entire career in sales, I've had access to every company report you could possibly want to pull from a unified CRM, there's no hiding behind you know, everyone's ability to see everyone else's work mm-hmm. and output contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, it you know there's no obstification where you're saying well okay so this guy's on this level I can't see this data, um, so you know the, that meritocratic aspect falls away. The more you see, the more you desire to compare people on a, on a level playing field.
0: Yeah, well I think at sales, it, well there weren't always CRM systems. Uh, mm. I'm gonna talk to, to ask Bridget about this, but every place I worked, there was always
1: a sales board. Oh yes. And it, and some of them were just like they would do it by hand. But oh, yeah. every day, I remember at Xerox every day, there were maybe 30 or 40 of us. There were a lot. And every day, you'd walk in and it would be updated who was at the top all the way to who was at the bottom. So we didn't have as much visibility as we have today, but there was always this, this ranking. And And maybe it goes back to, Josh, what you were saying earlier about how sales, millennials are drawn to sales because there is this immediate feedback. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Am I I number one? Am I number five? Am I number 30?
2: Mm. (laughs) It it definitely plays into the headspace. And I I also, you know, sales has kind of, um, sales is one of those things where a lot of people move through it and people will jump between sales jobs. And the sort of job security that you guys are talking about, I mean, you know, five or six years, like to sit in a seat. I, I, I know very few people. I'm I'm 33, by the way. So you know, some of my colleagues have been in the workplace now for a considerable period of time, 15 years. I know very few people who have done six years at the same company. It just there just doesn't seem to be that sort of staying power, both with employees and employers. Uh, and so you know, sales kind of complements that that rapidity in the, in the workplace.
0: Well, I think yeah, I think it's sort of um, well what, what I was referring to, I think Bridget as well, is when you're doing your time is to get promoted, you had to be making your numbers that whole time. I mean <laughs> to, to stick around. I mean, you were going to be gone if, if you weren't making your numbers pretty, right. pretty quickly. Um, yeah companies were very ruthless back when we started, and I, well, I'll talk what I did it's not that long ago, but um <laughs> is, <laughs> uh, is that, yeah, I mean they had high overhire intentionally and with the goal that they were gonna just they're looking for nuggets of gold and the rest are gonna go pretty darn quickly and so like in my case you know to get to our first sizable training class in selling computer systems we had to go out really even before we were trained and sell X amount of gear before we could wow. even before we could even qualify to go to training and if you didn't make that within generally within a few months you're gone so we had a, we had the first bar within let's say at the latest six months of being hired. You had to hit a certain milestone if you didn't hit that milestone, you were just gone because you couldn't they weren't going to send you to training and then you got out of the back in the first training and before you go to the second training, you know pretty much that same thing so um, yeah they they were pretty pretty ruthless about flushing out the people that that just weren't going to be keepers,
1: yeah, and it wasn't a It wasn't uh, job security like you might think about it. Josh, it was, don't think about getting promoted. You've got to survive and do well in that, let's say, five years. But don't think about getting promoted in that time. You've got to be hitting your numbers. You've got to be at 100%. You've got to be doing well. And you're not going to get promoted. So I think that's that's one of the differences. It wasn't a it wasn't necessarily a sense of, okay, I've got some job security here at all. It was, don't think about getting promoted until you've done that time, and you've done well. Yeah, it wasn't quite as
0: bad as waiting for people to die, but in a couple instances, almost, but it was, almost felt yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, 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 not quite that bad, but
0: yeah. felt like it. Well, I mean, compared to going into sales today, when I started in the office I started in, there were there was one guy in his 60s, there were... Uh, maybe two guys in their forties. You know, I'm coming into 21. Um, and number of people in their 30s. I mean, it was like, completely different. You know, sort of like different than going into a a SaaS startup where everybody's in their 20s. Um, yeah, it was real age ranges. Yeah, one guy, <laughs> one guy's working with it. Yeah, when I started, he had, he had fought in
1: World War II. Wow. Okay, okay, Andy. I think we've got to really <laughs> stop the aging references because as time well, goes on, people are going He was, long, he he was gonna... old. He was old. I okay. was young. He was old. Okay, all Just right. F- <laughs> but, you still, but you still worked alongside of him. Not for long. Okay, so there's so there's some overlap there.
0: Not for long. And, and this was a guy who, who, you know, we were selling computers that struggled mightily because he had been hugely successful back when... Computers were basically sort of these electromechanical <laughs> devices. And as I moved into a pure digital realm, he was just lost. I mean, he, mm. by a, within six months of me joining, he was gone just because he just couldn't cope with the pace of change.
2: So I have, I have an interesting uh, anecdote. I, I, I told this to Bridget last week when we were just talking about coming on this podcast. And I really like it because, it, I, I don't know, I think it highlights this. Because I worked in my first job selling tech there was a decent age range of people, somewhere between like 25 to 40. And people would say to us when we would speak to them, it was one of those products that has loads of different modules. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was a, it was a SaaS product. Uh, you'd speak to people on the phone and they'd, they'd really be concerned. They'd talk about out-of-the-box functionality. And, you know, we would, yeah, yeah, this is out of the box, that's out of the box. And after a few years of doing this, I remember turning around to a colleague and I said, you know what, I think I understand why they talk about this whether or not this module is included as being out of the box. And the, the guy said to me, well, why? And I said, because I'm pretty sure when they started procuring software they had to order the disks which would then be posted to them in the mail. Mm-hmm. And if it arrived in the mail and the installation disk wasn't there for the module they wanted it, it wasn't out of the box. And uh, Now they wouldn't have what they wanted to do and you know, in my entire time doing this, out of the box means, do you want me to go into the backend and change the configuration? I've never sent anyone a box of software before.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I hate, I, I hate to tell you, but it, it predates even your example. So it's, yeah, it's really just about selling a piece of hardware, not just even software, right? So, yeah. um,
1: it's one step. It's yeah, one step before that.
0: Yeah. So, well, I guess the question I'd have for you, Josh, is and this may take us sort of to the end of our time is, is so as you look forward and you and your your colleagues look forward and say okay let's look 3 to 5 years out what's going to be different for us then i mean what what are we going to have to do to prepare ourselves because you know we've got ai coming on stream really quickly machine learning you know predictive analytics we've got intelligent bots or ai driven bots that you know are starting to eat into the lower end of the SDR functionality. I mean so as somebody in sales, what are you saying? I was like, shoot, I here's something I really need to master if I really want to be, you know, have a long sales career.
2: You know what's funny? Um, I I actually think that the more of these things come in, they're distractions. I I, I you know the, the person buys you and I've spoken to Bridget about this as well sometimes. The relationship is still so central. Um, I remember I had another manager who would always say they buy you before they buy the product. A lot of this stuff, I I actually think it's kind of noise, right? There's always always something new out there. There's always another tool or technology. If you forget that you're selling uh, something to a person, you're you're selling the dream of them getting a pat on the back for a job well done and benefits for their business, which are really tangible, uh, then you're going to fail. And if I I, I kind of feel like all of this stuff can end up distracting people from what really counts.
0: Well, I think so. But I mean, one of the things that's that we hear oftentimes these days, and certainly hear from buyers, is that yeah, you know, we've got a, a generation in sales that's easily distracted by technology and other things, and that one of the things that's really suffering is this ability to connect and engage with the other person. In fact, you look at you know, a lot of the technology we use to reach out to prospects, the sort of thinly personalized, uh, not very human communications, as I call it. And that sort of, you know, flows sometimes into sort of the interpersonal part of it. So, I understand. I mean, I think your answer is the absolute right answer, but it's, to me, the bigger concern is, you know, how do we get more people to sort of understand that? (laughs)
2: I don't know. That's that's a golden question. I mean, it, it's so easy to think that you can just walk on in there and just you know spout lots of knowledge and think that's going to close a deal. Uh, I, a few times, Bridget said to me, "Don't have happy ears. You know, don't don't let your own assumptions about what's going on take over." And and that process of of listening. I mean, it's just it's kind of what you said. You know. It, you know, back in the day, people would still only get a certain amount of time before they're either selling or they're failing. Um, I don't think you can fake this stuff. Either you can listen to people and communicate with them and build that connection and, and use that to drive a sale, uh, or, or you can't. Um, yeah. Teaching it, I, I think you've got to listen to people who have danced the dance before and uh, and and you know, not get too concerned with what your own conceptions are. You know, remember that there are other people who know more than you.
0: Like Bridget. Happy ears. Bridget, you hadn't used that with me before. You've been holding back.
1: I, I like to hold back. I mean, I know we've done 95 of these, but I have to save something for 96, 97, Sorry. 98. If I told everything like in the first 95, you'd you'd get somebody else. All right. <laughs> I'm just this is job security, Andy. Oh, okay. I can't tell you everything right off the bat. You
0: got me on that one. <laughs>
1: Happy. Just imagine Imagine what's going to come between 100 and 200. I've got well, lots more stuff.
0: That's be hard to top happy ears. So, um Yeah, no, I think that's a it's a great point, Josh, and it's and I think that is the the central challenge is that that people tend to look at technology and think that it's going to replace sales in certain dimensions, which yeah, you know, it may in certain certain areas, but in the main what the technology is, I, you call it a distraction. I think more than a distraction. It's it's a spur to understand that if you want to have a successful career in sales, you actually have to become more human in the way you interact with people, and not not less. And the, being more human is a challenge.
2: It can be. I, I I meet so few of my customers. They live all over the world. They they. Barely will see a photograph of me. Um, sometimes remembering just to look up their LinkedIn profile or their social profile and give them a context in their career journey or their hobbies uh, that can be the difference. Um, it, it's so easy just to get used to sending emails and, and doing WebExes and you know you're just flying on your own and you, you can, it's easy to lose track of that human element.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, absolutely. Bridget, any last questions before we have to sign off?
1: Um my only question, Josh, do you think do you use um Skype or Webex with video a lot, and do you think that that's helpful since, as you said, I know you've got customers all over the world. Do you tend to use that so that there is that face to face and do you find that helps?
2: I try um I don't always use the video portion because I'm aware that it makes people uncomfortable. So usually I'll start video calls with the video part off. If they put it on, I'll turn it on with them. But often they prefer not to look at me. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I don't know whether that's a reflection. Don't take that how- personally, Josh. Don't take that personally.
2: I, I try not. My wife tells me it's it's only part of the reason they don't want to. Okay, and,
1: good, uh, good. Someone uh, needs um, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but uh, you
2: know, actually, funnily, some of them don't even want to do a call. A lot of them just prefer chat and email. They're too busy uh, to take time out for me, and so I got to try and grab their attention any way I can.
0: All right. Well, good. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll we'll make sure to have you back on the show again. Uh, I would love that. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, hopefully your first experience on a podcast was positive.
2: I'm not crying yet, so this is a
0: good start. All right. Okay, good. Come back the next time. We'll work on you. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, good luck to uh, Man U this year. Um, Oh, yes. I have to admit, I'm a Liverpool guy, so, you know...
2: Ooh, I'm glad you waited until the end to tell me that. That would have changed the complexion of the whole conversation. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. He probably knew go. that.
0: I knew that, yeah. But <laughs> as I remember, one of those two teams is playing Champions League this year and one isn't. So anyway. Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> Actually, man, you is playing, aren't they? Because they won the Europa oh, yeah. League. That's right. They we snuck in win. snuck in the back door. Okay. They weren't it, good It works for me. They weren't good enough to qualify the regular way, but they did get in. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, Bridget, as always. Wonderful. Great to talk to you. And Likewise. friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Make sure you come back again next week. Listen to another episode of Frontline Fridays. Of course, every day during the week, you can listen to uh, another episode of Accelerate, just as Josh does, to keep current on sales things. So, uh, thanks for joining us. Till next time.
1: All right. Have a great one.